0: Can't be the best Shaggy's ever had. He's Australian.
1: From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still Queer as Folk, UK. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Today we're talking about episode eight of Channel 4's Queer as Folk, and it's called Punchline. First aired in the UK on 13 April 1999, and it was, of course, written by Russell T. Davies. This was the final episode of series one. There's only two more episodes. Those episodes are kind of weird, though, so can't wait to cover those with you, Matt.
2: <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets a little trippy, I would say. Yep. Uh, Punchline was directed by Sarah Harding, her last of four episodes of Queer as Folk UK. Uh, she also directed 50
1: episodes of Coronation Street. Here's the synopsis of Punchline. Stuart demolishes a Jeep store after the salesman makes homophobic remarks to him. Lance and Romy's fake marriage falls apart after Nathan sent incriminating evidence to the home office causing Lance to attack a policeman and the home office man.
2: Stuart is rejected by an ex trick in front of Vince and Cameron at an art gallery. Nathan rescues Stuart from a drinking binge and makes off with the canine robot dog that Stuart gave Vince for his birthday. After placing it on Vince's mini... Makeup lunch takes place.
1: Nathan calls out Christian Hobbes in public and then moves back home for a few hours before running off to London with Donna. I love it. <laughs> this episode was really, really fast paced. And so I didn't really carve this up into an A, B, and C story or anything like that. I just listed this one out chronologically. So great. <laughs> we start out the episode with Stuart and Lisa at the Jeep shop. Seeing Stuart with Alfred was kind of cute. I like this relationship with Stuart and his baby. It's. It just feels real for some reason. It doesn't feel like he is offhand with the child or not interested in the child at all.
2: It's like he cares. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the key to it, is that he just cares. Well, he cared enough that the Jeep salesman pegged Stewart for a straight married guy.
0: You might want to check out the Sahara. It's a bit more robust. I'm thinking Family Man. I like this one. Just think Sahara, it's a tad more expensive. But I've got to be honest with you about the sport. We get a lot of gay guys buying this one. And fair enough, they're cutting edge of those boys. But a man like yourself, I'm thinking image.
1: The guy makes the, the mortal mistake of saying that young gay guys buy Jeeps and die. I like this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love the
2: fact that he reiterates it. And I was like, Are you getting it? <laughs> but yeah, did I just say it like a man like yourself? And I'm like, You mean that
1: fag? Yeah. (laughs) He's going to want the Jeep. So the Jeep guy thinks that uh, the gay guys buy them because they're going to die young, obviously, from AIDS complications. And then they get a good resale value on the Jeep. Which, wow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, (laughs) That was a thing in the 90s. Uh, I hate capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Just do. I kind of hate Jeeps. But now that we know why uh, Stuart was driving a Jeep, I'm very cool with Stuart driving the Jeep. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So he proceeds to drive the Jeep right through the showroom door. Where do I sign? This was kind of interesting because this one actually seemed like Stuart wanted to kill the guy, whereas a show with a comparable story on it, Ooh, like, oh, like, wait, why'd you drive this through the star? I, huh?
2: What? Well, that's fine. I don't think he felt like he. I didn't feel like he was like ready to kill him. I think he was ready to teach him a lesson so that when he did drive through and says, I'll take it. I really felt like, now, what did you learn? Don't fuck with the homos. <laughs> I like this But one. I'm glad... Th- But I'm glad you point out the show that has a comparable storyline because I don't believe we heard how he just got away with it here. They make it very clear. Like there's a a nice moment in the office where it seems the ad agency goes toe to toe with the with the dealership. And I'm like, oh, that's why they're cool with it. Okay.
1: Yeah. The comparable (laughs) show kind of made it seem like it was a mistake. Like, I had an accident. I put my foot on the wrong pedal. I accelerated when I meant to brake.
2: Yeah, no, here it's like, I'm coming for you.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So we see Vince at work. And remember in the last episode, his employee, Rosalie, was humiliated at Vince's birthday party where Stuart outed him. Nice subtlety on this scene. Uh, The shop girls are laughing. We pick out the words, revolting, Vince. And we're pretty sure that Rosalie told them about Vince being a poof, but we later find out that they were laughing at a guy that had the same tie as Vince.
3: There was a man on changing rooms last night. He was wearing the same tie. We were laughing at your tie. I haven't said anything in case you're wondering, but if you're ashamed, then it's up to you.
0: I'm not ashamed.
3: Well, you're not exactly proud Vince. It's not that bad.
0: It's I It didn't cost much. Bargain. I got it from
2: Yes, and this is what this was a little like confusing to me because it seemed now Rosalie was trying to be friendly to Vince and that she like she even like makes a comment about like you didn't seem like you're proud. You also called him a derogatory term. Like right. I understand you were mad, <laughs> but you also called him a poof to like hurt his feelings. And then it also felt like she was still giving him the cold shoulder.
1: Yeah, I thought that she was giving him like tough love, but then all of a sudden it was like, nope.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There was also like, oh, that's right. You humiliated me. Fuck off. You know, the way she just kind of abruptly ended the conversation.
1: Yeah. For a minute, I thought that she was going to be Vince's new BFF. Then she's just like, (laughs) nah, off she goes. Right. There's a quick cut of Nathan at school and his instructor is talking about the gay war poet Wilfred Owen. At first I thought the instructor was on our side. But then he takes a jab at Owen being gay in the trenches of World War One.
0: You can't teach us about puffs. you're not allowed. Thank you, Christine. It's got nothing to do with the man's poetry though no doubt he found
1: plenty of things to do in the trenches other than fight. this look on Nathan's face was deadly. I, Charlie Hunt I sure can do scary face like really well yes he can he can scowl it's yeah great. so after class Donnas in the hallway with Nathan and did Donna Tell us that her mother's creepy boyfriend is getting handsy with her. Is that what she was saying there? I, not
2: that he was getting handsy, but he's clearly like I was getting the impression. That, yeah, there's something going on. Like when, the way she hints that he's always walking out of the bathroom naked. Like no, there's there's something suspicious going on with it. And I but I also want to point out that this was such a great moment for. for Donna to remind Nathan that she matters too. It's not just about him and Daz and like his, you know, living his best gay life. He needs to be able to be the friend to her the way she's being the friend to him. So I'm glad Donna has this moment of speaking up. It's
1: not always about you. She also needed this reason to run away to London with Nathan at the end of the episode. And the creepy handsy guy kind of gave her that reason. In addition to Nathan trying to make good on it and have her be a big part of his life. Yeah. So Stuart gets a call uh, about the home office showing up and investigating Lance and Romy. Uh, This scene was kind of pure comedy wrapped around a tragedy for Lisa. Uh, It's kind of funny because in the captions, the closed captions, as Stuart's driving over to their house, it said, playful music. And I couldn't help but think that the (laughs) captions are kind of like narrating, okay, this is fun, this is lighthearted, yay. But then we see uh, that Lance apparently punched the policeman and the home office man. So it's like
2: playful music. (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's also the fact that uh, Lisa is so happy about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she's like, ah, brilliant. Like the fact that this whole charade went off even better than she expected. Like it wasn't just that this lie was sent out. He, like Lance inadvertently helped their cause by getting very
1: violent very quickly. What's interesting about this scene is that Romy was so emotionally involved in this with yeah. Lance.
3: Of course it was you. You never liked him, you never wanted him in that house.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
3: They knew, they knew the wedding was a fake. They have my things
1: from the house. But we didn't get much information about why, though. Why is she having this fake marriage with this guy? It's like, what? what's the backstory here? Is it just because you want to be a nice person and you want to help your friend? Or is there something more?
2: Yeah, because she's like, de- like as Lance is being put in, in the car, she's like demanding Lisa go with him. And she's like, I, I can't. I'm involved. Right. But they-, they won't let me. And she's like, but you have to. It's like, Okay Karen Calm down You knew this was a sham To begin with And to be honest Y'all should be in Like a lot of trouble For trying to pull one over (laughs) Like the government So and, then, and she's like also continually like she's immediately blaming Stuart. Like it had to be you. It had to be you. It's like this is all to help Lance. Like you are kind of trying to just be generous
1: for him. Yeah, that's the part that I don't understand is like, why were yeah. you willing to go to jail? I think that's OK since this story didn't really go that far. There, There really wasn't much lasting impact to it. Um, but probably mostly because the series is so short, but we also see Stuart just flat out lie to the mother of his child about not knowing anything about it. And I thought that was a really telling moment. Okay. Now I know what's going on between these two. They really don't have any kind of like serious bond because you don't lie to the mother of your child about that.
2: Is yeah. Like how how close is Stuart truly to Romy and Lisa? Right. Because also he's like willing to help Lisa and like, he seemed to be much more down for that cause than make sure that, that Romy able to help out Lance. Or is this all just because he cares more about Alfred and making sure that he's in Alfred's life? Yeah. Well, yeah what, I, I would love endgame? to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's our question. What was that end game there?
1: Yeah. I don't think it's terrible though. In this storytelling context, because it it leaves something for us to fill in the blanks on. Mm -hmm. We don't need to know the whole story. We're just hyper-curious about it. So, of course, uh, once this all falls apart, they all have to rush over to Hazel's house. I like that Bernard line when they first rolled up there.
3: Hazel, we got lesbians.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know he he doesn't say much, but when when
1: Murray does, it's great. I'm a big fan. Nathan gave a stellar performance defending his own actions to the lesbians, and it was believable. I really liked how this all came back to Stuart, even though he tried so hard to shift the blame.
3: You treat that baby like a toy, like you don't care. And Lance, Lance would take over. He'd be dad, and you'd say nothing. But I know, I know what you like, you love him, and you'd never say, so I said it for you. Lance is going to be deported. I don't care! Jesus Christ. I don't give a toss about Lance. Look at all the rest I've done. Left my family all of that. Left Donna in that. Just for you. Keeps going back to you, Stuart. How was I to know? It is your fault. It's all your fault because you just shag. You keep going every night and you never look back. Look at what you've done. Look at him.
2: I. <laughs> I loved it. And you're right. Like, best supporting actor in a drama series was clearly going to go yeah. to Nathan in this situation. Because <laughs> it was great. Like, yeah, he knows he's being basically interrogated by these people. Like, why did you? And and he's able to just, he doesn't falter. Right. <laughs> like, there, there was no
1: skips. There was something about the story that I really liked and that was when Hazel summed it up perfectly for Romy, though.
0: I chose you as the father. You chose
3: Lance as the husband, and look at him. Slightest bit of trouble out with the fists. Do you want a man like that living with your kid?
1: Maybe not. So this whole story ends up with Romy kind of seeing the light and seeing that, yeah, this was like probably a really bad idea, and this Lance guy is probably not a great person to have around Alfred. And I like that kind of altruism that came out of it. Sorry, I just yawned. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it in. <laughs> okay. Uh, Romeo was doing something dangerous for her family and it kind of took the combined efforts of Stuart, Lisa and Nathan to bring her around to the reality of it. This was a tight little sea story. Uh, the story was also appropriated for the US version, but that one wrapped up with Lindsay simply calling off the wedding. This one had some great nuance as well as this big crescendo of violence. So for this one, UK wins.
2: Right, I just, I, I will say, I felt like while I appreciated that we got like a
1: lesbian a story? Definitive,
2: a, a, de, well, a definitive. Well, a definitive. The lesbians are here. Hazel, uh, hey, so we've got lesbians. Uh, <laughs> we've <call them> got lesbians. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. Uh, no, that we got uh, a sort of definitive ending. Like, we got a real reason why this ended, and we we, we see it in action. Um, it was still kind of like, I don't know, there was something about it that felt just a little icky that it had to be violence. Like, it, it couldn't be, it wasn't enough that they found the letters, which should have been enough for them like, oh, this is a sham, it's over. It
1: was that Lance then got violent. Yeah, I, I think that was and not, useful, and not though. Just, <laughs> we right, do like well, not like
2: Lance. <laughs> right, well, it's true.
1: This art show date with Vincent Cameron, uh, first off, how cute of a date was that? That was so cute. They're walking around, looking at the art, drinking sherry. Yeah. Loved it. It was so cute. Stuart happens to be at the same show. He runs into somebody that he forgot that he had already fucked.
0: What, and then go back to yours? Sure. Mariners' coat, yeah? Hmm. I've been there. Must have made such a big impression. All right. All right, yeah. Yeah
3: course
0: I Yeah. Nice to see you again. Uh listen, what? Um do you wanna go? Do you wanna uh, let's go, let's go and have a drink. Forget it.
3: Let's go back to mine.
0: Just fuck off, okay. <laughs> Come on, I bet I was good. I said fuck off now. What part of that don't you
2: understand?
1: I love that. Has that ever happened to you, Matt? No, I'm actually
2: really okay. I I, I play it off depending on the situation about whether or not I remember people, but you play it off.
1: What you pretend you don't know them.
2: Yeah. I try not to like, gosh. Yeah. I try not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, Oh, I, I have a pretty good memory of base not everybody I should say, but (laughs) I can, I can spot a person and be like, "Mm, I know how I know you (laughs) like that, that kind of thing.
1: I thought that Stuart played, uh, his played this off like really poorly though. I cuz I think the best comeback for not remembering a guy is to immediately blame the amount of drink you had that night or something like that, but yeah. <laughs> the other guy handled it perfectly. Tell Stuart to fuck off.
2: Loved it. Ooh, it was it was great. It wasn't just one fuck off. It was like get it through your head. Fuck off. Right. And I was like, "Ooh, I'm into it." <laughs> yeah. And that guy was hot too. I was like, "Oh, hi.
1: Mm-hmm. Come back to mine." It was, it was- <laughs>
2: he was that he was that kind of like Johnny Lee Miller and Hackers yes, 90's hot. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I was into it. Yeah.
1: Cameron loved this sideshow too, but I think he <laughs> made quite the mistake in calling him pathetic to Vince. This is good though. Yeah. We know Cameron is making these mistakes with Vince because we know more about Vince and his relationship with Stuart than Cameron does. And it's like watching this slow motion car crash, and we so want Cameron to be happy and succeed, but we're like, oh, Cameron, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna pull this one off. Yeah,
2: it's like you could have chosen a word that like softens the blow of that one a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> just just to call it pathetic. I mean, you could have been like, oh, look over there, ooh, like not, a, but like it felt very pointed to use the word like pathetic.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of that uh, unspoken rule that when you are out with your new boyfriend and you run into your boyfriend's ex-boyfriend, you do not trash the ex-boyfriend. You're just kind of like, eh. Yep. There's no upside to trashing the boyfriend's ex-boyfriend. No. Uh, Nevertheless, they end up in the bath. This scene was like so cute.
0: And Alexander's going mental. So we ended up dancing on a podium, you know, like twats. We look stupid, so what? And Stuart? He just walks away like we're dirt. I got those brochures for Australian. Oh, All right, yeah, great. Expensive. I'll pay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And this bloke at Mardi Gras, right? Stuart's been out all weekend. He's had ketamine and God knows what. And he sees this bloke. He says, "I'm having him."
3: I love you.
1: First of all, Cameron's in briefs. Check. Vince naked in the bathtub. Check. Cameron hearing enough of Stuart to just leave the room. Check. Cameron bursting back into the room to blurt out, I love you. (laughs) Perfect.
2: Yeah. I was like, even said in anger. That's so cute.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was just sort of this like. Projectile vomit of it, if you will. It's he feels all this about Vince and he was trying so hard not to trash Stuart or to tell Vince to stop talking about Stuart, so he's just I love you. <laughs> right. Great. The fact that it was the fact that it was a door
2: slam, re-enter I love you, walk back out. And, and Vince is just like <laughs> I read the top.
1: Uh, it even had the perfectly <laughs> timed audio cue. <laughs> Stewart apparently has gone out drinking on Canal Street, and he is about to drive home after having quite a few. And then Nathan appears. No, like, oh, this is okay. This is good. And he's kind of a like a proxy for Vince. He's going to drive him home. He's going to get him into bed. What do you think of this new self-assured Nathan that we're seeing here?
2: It's like he's well, and this is something that I think we've always seen with Nathan is that he takes this sort of like the, the newfound ownership of his identity very well. Like he has this this confidence and at times cockiness to like be able to at times really act beyond his years, even at times when we don't see it. So like I'm, I'm very into it. Like he's able to say, I know I have, you know, this guy was my first shag and I, I know that, you know, at first it was a little stalkery, but like I can also step up and just do the right thing.
1: This was also the moment from episode one where Nathan had said six months later he was begging me to stay.
2: i better go.
0: Look, watch a video.
1: Not porn.
0: It's not always porn. Stay for a bit. Do you want
3: me to? Do you want me to stay? I don't mind. Do you really want me to stay? Yeah have thought Stuart Allen Jones
1: begging me to stay this is episode eight and we covered six months from episode mm-hmm. 1 when you first saw that and that really bookended this series really well. Nathan uh, also takes the entire K9 robot out the door with him. I would have loved to have seen what Nathan did. Like, how did you get to Vince's place with that? How did you get into the cab Did he with just it? carry it? <laughs> he just walked out the door with it. It was great. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. It's remote controlled, right? Uh. Yeah. I wonder if he brought the remote with him. Yeah. Maybe that's what you- he <laughs> <laughs> just walked it all the way. The next morning, Vince is getting ready for work and he's just doing everything he can to avoid saying I love you back to Cameron, who pretty wisely knows that.
0: I'm off. You all right? You've got the keys. Careful with the door. It needs pulling. See ya. You don't have to say anything back. Yeah. God, I'm late. The door needs pulling. I've said that, haven't I? Bye.
1: What's interesting here is that we know that Vince is like a little freaked out by that and Cameron seems to think it's cute or something. And I think what we're seeing is the beginning of the end of Cameron, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, and I
2: think this gets handled very well in a later scene, but yeah, it's sort of like Vince's, like it's almost like shell shock. He doesn't know how to respond to someone saying
1: that to him. I also couldn't help but think the whole time, like, don't you have to go to work too, Cameron? <laughs> Cameron didn't seem bothered. It must have been a weekend or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Vince calls Stuart to say thanks for K-9 after Nathan had put it on the roof of Vince's mini. Stuart calls him right back for lunch. And this was kind of a cute lunch. There's something quite special about being with somebody that just knows you so well and has all the answers for you when you're a little bit frantic or scattered. I thought the best line here was, I can't be the best Shaggy had. He's Australian.
2: <laughs> yeah, I loved this lunch scene because it, it, like you said, it's sort of this, now that it feels like they're making up after what happened at his birthday party, after what happened at Vince's birthday party. Oh, that was
1: my question for you is what what was Stuart really doing? in this scene with Vince.
2: Yeah, it's like, cause like, they, cause we saw like what led up to this lunch was like them calling, but then like looking at the phone, like who's gonna make that first move kind of thing. And I really do love the fact that this was, like you said, them going back into that familiar space. Um, It was, it's like a comfort because Vince has, has to deal with the fact that Cameron said that he loved him and Vince almost is like, he can't justify how Cameron loves him. And that's something that I feel like that that's what goes through at least for in my mind, what goes through with the gay male mind when they hear those words and they just can't cope with it? They're like, uh, "Wait a minute! Uh, <laughs> How dare you? Like what? <laughs> Don't you, say you, that! No, <laughs> no, nobody loves me. No, no, I've always been like, no, no one loves me. What, what? What do you mean love? What does that mean? Like, what you mean like love? Love? Do you mean like like love? Like, what are you looking for? Like, gay men are already neurotic enough. Now throw in the fact that oh. Someone has feelings for you. They go into a tailspin.
1: That's where I thought that Stuart was kind of giving Vince a self-esteem boost, and he was giving Vince permission to fall in love with Cameron. Mm -hmm. But then Stuart was going to give him space without having to be a dick about it, but he kind of was saying almost goodbye. I'm late. I've got to go.
3: Tell him what you like. You're in charge, not him. Tell
0: him... uh, Tell him he's lucky. I'll see you around. We could do this again. What do you think? Just lunch. No, I'm in it. Nah. Sorry, Vince, but
1: my world is huge. His world is huge, after all. So, this was a really curious lunch. I like this lunch. I, I, I would think, go to this yeah. lunch. Oh yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think you're. I think you're right when he's just, you know, talking about like how hu- huge his world is. It's like. I'm allowing you to grow into being this person that is in a relationship and you don't have to come to me. I can like I'm I'm allowing you to grow to be your own person. It is no longer have to be uh
1: Vincent Stewart. Yeah.
2: You need to be Vince and I need to be Stewart.
1: So everyone uh, convenes at the pub later and Nathan appears in what has to be a shirt that just screams late 1990s that shiny gold-fitted shirt that he had oh, on. Oh, honey. Ooh. I think I've been photographed wearing something similar.
2: <laughs> we
1: will need to dig into the archives to find that. So there's this look that Christian gave Nathan while they were meeting eye contact across the bar. There's just something about it that seemed like really seductive. The way that Christian is kind of giving him, I don't know what it was. It was, it was like bedroom eyes or something, and he left his... Lifted his drink to him. I thought that was really interesting.
2: I thought that was going to lead to like blowy in the back. Like I was <laughs> ready for it.
1: I hoped it would have. For some reason, I found Christian Hobbes kind of hot in this scene. I don't know why. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I thought it, maybe it was because he just seemed so um, cordial
1: and not so much of an asshole. Yeah, he seemed gay. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, wow, all of a sudden you're hotter. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, Nathan jumps up on the karaoke stage to everyone's amusement and then calls out Christian Hobbs.
3: Because that boy over there,
2: check shirt,
3: white t-shirt, dark hair, with the blonde girl, him. I'm in school with him, right? His name is Christian Hobbs. And Christian Hobbs, do you know what he does? He finds a boy. And if that boy's a bit quiet, if he's a bit different, Christian Hobbs kicks his head in. He kicks him and he calls him queer. That boy there. He beats, he beats us so up because we're queer. queer. Plenty more I could have said, Christian.
2: Well, okay, first of all, if you also read the captions, I thought we were about to get a Kylie Minogue song, and I was ready for Nathan to go, like, full faggot by <laughs> melting out a Kylie song. <laughs> <laughs> but, instead, <laughs> but, yeah, but instead, he takes the mic and proceeds to call out Christian Hobbes by name, look, date,
1: everything and calls him out for basic, like being a gay hater. What was interesting is that Nathan stopped short of bringing up the fact that he gave him a handy, which I thought was really clever writing because we know that we're waiting for it.
2: Oh yeah. And he says like, and that's usually like glad that that's all I'm going to say. You're like,
1: (gasps) we're like, say it, say it. (laughs) Say it. Say it. (laughs) It was great though. When Bernie came over and, and, kicked him out of the bar. I get this feeling that Bernard is like this tough guy that can just like crush people. Yeah. yeah, Like he's been a bouncer before. Right. Yeah. Very into it. And something that I didn't quite understand though, is that as a result of this, Nathan tells Hazel that he's going to move back home. Did that just come out of nowhere for you? I didn't quite see why he came to that decision immediately after telling off Christian Hobbes in front of a crowded bar of people.
2: Okay, so I'm about
1: to do a lot of
2: stretching to get there. What I think it was is that he was able to stand up to Christian. He could stand up to his father Uh, and allow him to be his true self no matter where he is. And he's already got the support of his mother. So like now he doesn't need the support of the strangers who took him in. He knows he can stand up for himself. So maybe that's what it is. Oh, good.
1: eye! I agree.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I think I can get us there. You got us there. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you remember my comment about nobody on the show being able to dance? Case in point. (laughs) I don't know what song they were dancing to it was hilarious Uh,
2: it was uh, it was something it was something
1: there was that great moment when the old timers realized that Nathan is a liberated 15 year old and they are all at least twice or more his age oh
2: yeah I lived for that moment (laughs) I thought that was great I mean it's true
1: because you see somebody like that young and that free and that uh, they have their whole world ahead of them and you're and just like, kind of like, fuck. My life has
2: gone by. <laughs> right. Half my, half my life has gone by. <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> so I'd like to think that Nathan's moment of telling off Chris Hobbs was enough to convince Vince to come out at work, along with a little side of Rosalie encouraging him.
0: It's for Simon Carter. Do you know him? Black hair, sort of Fox Mulder look. He's got the best arse in this shop. Will you putting a good word for me? I've always fancied him. Run along
1: the interesting thing here is this was a 23 second scene and Vince announced to the store gossip queen that he's gay. And uh, wow, not making that moment into an entire fucking episode was genius. And this was the culmination of Rosalie, Stuart, Nathan, everybody. Stuart told him that he's enough. It was the UBU moment. It was great. Great storytelling. So Nathan uh, moves home and then moves out. (laughs) Within a few hours. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. I thought, like, I thought Nathan's dad was ready to just, like, silently accept. Because Nathan, like, they're they're having this moment in the kitchen. They're doing the dishes. And Nathan
1: had a red cardigan on.
2: Right. <laughs> like, and, you know, he's like, I'm always going to be gay. It's not a phase. Know that about me. And because, especially because we had commented in the um, when we first met his dad, that it didn't seem like his dad was upset at the gay thing. He was upset at the whole steward is twice his age and Nathan is 15 thing. Because that's all he kept saying. He's like, he's 15. He's just a boy. He's 15. And so we thought like, okay, maybe that's what it is. And, and but then and so I, I thought, okay, cool. He's gonna he's gonna do it. He's gonna be like, maybe like a little salty about it, because he still doesn't quite wrap his head around it. But he's not going to be like abusive or, or anything. And then he's got to make that comment.
0: He's hella what worried about she's 10 years old she's a child i don't want a head filled with notions like what as far as helen's concerned the anus is for shit got
2: that nathan is not gonna put on a show in front of his 10 year old sister right. like <laughs> what the fuck are you going this is my problem with homophobes is that their minds go so far beyond what where gay people go that we're all kind of like how did you get there?
1: <laughs> How do you know what we do? Like, what is this fantasy of yours? <laughs> you think we're weird? Okay. Well, and they're off. Nathan picks up Donna. They uh, take a taxi to London. That's like three hours away by car. Yeah. <laughs> he just shows her this cash and says, Will this get me to London? And I'm like, what? It's like, yeah. What? You, is the cab driver going to get back? <laughs> what? Right. So, wouldn't you take the train? So. <laughs> Uh, so Vince and Cameron break up. Uh, Cameron started to get a little bossy about the car and bossy about Vince getting to dinner.
0: Yeah, I know I'm late, but I had to buy them a drink at work. Never mind them. Wait just- Christ! You worded the door on this. Yeah, I'll take it to the garage. Now get a move on, or else we'll lose the table. Listen to that. Can yeah, no, I just leave it? Just, just, just hurry up. I'll get Bernie to fix it. Don't trust Bernie. I'll take it to the garage. I'll do it. Like you fix the door in your flat. Oh, well. It's like waiting for a kid to tidy his bedroom. I paid for the bloody thing. I'll take charge of
1: it. It's kind of a moment of revelation for Vince. Cameron can't name all the Doctor Who's, so he locks the keys in the car. And that's that. He's off to find Stewart. Enough of Cameron, right? Yeah, he says it's breaking up. We're breaking up, and
2: and and you know this ties back to like the lunch scene where Stewart was able to name all of the doctors in order, except and but then Paul McGann but doesn't count. Which I need to know why Paul McGann doesn't count. I don't know if that's just like a, they don't like him as the doctor, or sorry, my doctor who knowledge is like
1: nil. No. He was a temporary doctor. He was, he was an accidental doctor. Okay. I'm just, I, I'll
2: go with that. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like Cameron did get like a little bossy. Like he used to like the way, you're, like, cause he was kind of mocking the way like Vince said like, oh, I'll fix it. And he's like, oh yeah. Like the way well, you fix the door in your flat. And it's like, okay, that was kind of rude. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, it was like, it was like all like any, like any like kind of bad qualities of Cameron just came out in one phone call.
1: He was kind of infantilizing him a little bit. He was. Yeah. He's just sort of turning him into like, a, you can't do anything, there's nothing that you're going to be good at. I have to do everything for you. I am daddy, and I think that's really where it fell apart, right? The interesting thing about this series is that it's okay that Vince loves Stuart, it's fine that it's unrequited love for right now. I didn't feel bad for anyone at this point, I, I felt optimistic for the future with Vince and Stuart. I get this sense that these people are going to be together at some point, right? Whereas in the U S version, it was always about, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Give it right. up, give it up, give it up. It's like, <laughs> stop it. Maybe it could happen. If you could people just shut the fuck up and let them be them. <laughs> let them live. Exactly. Uh, so Vince goes, uh, straight to Babylon. Stuart's already there. Of course, there was a creepy moment here where the Stuart was eyeing somebody and we realize it's the guy that killed Phil. Yeah, it's that
2: trick, and I thought this was actually so smart because it, it could have been like anyone for Vince to say like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook up with this person," and like the tension would be like so so. But the fact that it's the trick that killed Phil, it amps it up, and it's like, "Oh, wait a minute! No, no, no. he's he's a bad one. You, you, no, don't, don't, no, no, don't, don't, no, don't, don't, don't fall for it. Right, like." way to go like that was such a smart decision because they could have they just made it anybody but to make it that guy and that we were able to lock on to like oh that's not a good idea really helped with the scene along
1: i was so hoping that there would be more to that story like Stuart left with him like Stuart leaves with the murderer <laughs> Oh <laughs> yes, <laughs> but instead uh, they jump up on the podium. They're dancing to "It's Raining Men," which is my least favorite gay anthem of all time.
2: No, but it was like a, it was like a remix. I was into it. Oh, I'm okay that with that.
1: Listen, no, I I can nah. Weather Girls always
2: give it to me. I'm good. <sighs> I could I can I can get down with that anytime.
1: Well, this is where series one ends. Uh, this would have been a great moment for the show to end completely. And I've always talked about how I love when shows end like kind of abruptly, like you expect more, but then you're left wanting more and Mm -hmm. it really could have ended here. I like having loose ends and I like being given permission by the writer to create my own ending in my own imagination, but we have two slightly longer episodes left. The next episodes are about 40, 45 minutes each. There's two of them. So Mm. we get some interesting events and some interesting closure in those. Can't wait to talk about them. Yeah. So what was your top for this episode?
2: Okay, so I had two uh we were discussed the lunch scene with Vince and Nathan I thought it was really cute I think it made some really good points about the way the gay man relates to a word like love and how it ties to a relationship and what that can mean um the other one is that this uh this episode finally found a way for me to root for Nathan <laughs> like he finally realized because one Donna put him in his place by saying like it's not always about you and he finally was oh I should try and like be a friend to her again. And then for him to be able to stand up to Christian Hobbs in front of everyone and be able to say what he needed to say like that, it felt like it opened a new door for him,
1: not just in home life, but to like be freer than even beyond Manchester. And so, yeah, big fan. So my top was uh, Vince coming out at work. That scene was just so well-written and intelligent that I kind of think it was the, like the stealth moment of the entire episode. We kind of forget Hmm. about it. We forget that Vince came out.
2: That's kind of true.
1: (laughs) Because him coming out is a big deal, but it was just handled really brilliantly and not turned into like this big dramatic event. He was there. It was his. He owned it. Done. Loved it. What was your bottom?
2: I would say uh, Lance becoming violent. Oh, really? Like Like this revelation that he's also very quick to violence just felt odd to me. Uh, as, as a choice and sort of, and I think it's also the way that other characters sort of reveled in it, like the way Lisa felt so giddy after seeing him punch the man from home office and then like, it's like, Oh, the plan could have like went even better than they imagined. And it's like, yeah, like kind
1: of the whole plot of that always just kind of felt icky to me. I didn't actually have a bottom. I, I felt like this episode left me completely fulfilled. Full it's stop. rare for you to not. It's very rare for you to not have a bottom, Patrick. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> <laughs> this has been episode eight of series one, and it was called punchline. Next time on Still Queer's Folk, Vince's love for Stuart remains unrequited, but the sexual buzz between them is becoming irresistible. Stuart is forced to out himself to his parents when he is blackmailed. Meanwhile, Nathan reappears to celebrate his return from London. That will be episode one of series two, and it's called. Out of the closet. Thanks for listening. You can find our U.S. series of Still Queers Folk at stillqueersfolk.com and on all of your favorite podcast apps. Until next time, I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queers Folk is a production of Slightly Unbalanced. Matt Dominguez wrote and performed the show with me tonight. Still Queers Folk was made with love in Chicago.